It is your Tuesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys back for another day. Good show coming up. As usual, um, Chris Preston from uh, Preston Spire Advertising Agency in Minneapolis will join me here in just a little bit to talk about Super Bowl advertising. A lot of what you saw on Sunday outside of the game, of course, which was very good. And we talked about that a lot on Monday. Um, he'll help me kind of break down what was good about it, what was bad about it, the history of kind of the importance of Super Bowl ads, when that became such a thing. And uh, so really enjoyed that conversation, and I hope you do as well. A little something different on on the show, but a good time for it. And like I said, I hope you enjoy that. I've got a Justin Jefferson and Anthony Edwards thought at the end of the show that I'll get to. First, though, what did I miss? going to be a little game-heavy at the jump, and my, how the tables have turned, the turns have tabled, as I like to say. Um, one game into the Mike Conley Jr. for D'Angelo Russell trade, and yes, there's more components to it. The Wolves got um, you know three second-round draft picks out of it. They got a salary spot um, for next year, and they got a player, <clears throat> Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's probably not going to play much, but um, they got more than that. But anyway, the principles in the deal, Mike Conley Jr. and D'Angelo Russell. Game one for both of them. The Wolves got blown out by Memphis. I think it was like a 21-point loss. Conley was fine, but didn't really have much of an impact. And then D'Angelo Russell played pretty well for the Lakers in a win over Golden State. Now, fast forward to Monday night. Wolves at Dallas. Tough test for them. And uh, the Lakers playing Portland, which is a team that's kind of on the fringe of the playoff race. So you're thinking maybe the Lakers even without LeBron, can get another one and uh, kind of continue those good vibrations that they had going with uh, with, with D'Angelo Russell in the first game. Well, um, we're not going to do this every day, not going to go game by game with this trade, but uh, the Mike Conley Jr. era got off to a much better start in Game 2. Uh, he was quite good, unlocked Rudy Gobert to a large degree in this game. He was, you know, he, he helped Rudy Gobert have a perfect shooting night, Rudy Gobert, um, nine of nine from the field for for the Wolves, and, and you know, very effective in this game. He finishes with 21 points, 14 rebounds, 30 minutes. Now he did not play in the final seven minutes. The the Mavericks went small, spread the Wolves out. Chris Finch thought he would come back to go bear with a few minutes left, but he never did. Um, the, the Mavericks kind of stayed with that lineup, and they were chipping away. Chipping away, chipping away at a Wolves lead that was once 26 points. But the Wolves did hold on for a 124-121 win. Key at the end. Um, a few things, but the biggest thing was the final possession when Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels combined to very much well lock down um, Luka Doncic and, uh, and Kyrie Irving. They recently acquired Kyrie Irving for the Mavericks, so... The Wolves get the win. Conley 4 of 8 from the field in 32 minutes, including 3 of 6 from 3-point range. He missed a free throw late that could have cost the Wolves, but that's, you know, that's not an effort thing. That's just kind of happens. Finished with 12 points, 9 assists, only 2 turnovers, a plus 6 in the game. Like I said, very effective, very steady. The Wolves score 124 points. The offense runs quite efficiently with him. Now, again, Gobert's not going to go 9 of 9 every game. Jaden McDaniels isn't going to go 7 of 8 every game, but a good sign for the Wolves that they could put up those kind of numbers. Anthony Edwards leading the way like he usually does, 32 points, 5 rebounds in the game. Not handling the ball quite as much 
with Conley in the mix, but I think that's okay. I think you can kind of go pick your spots where you've got point ant and spots where you're going to go with more of a traditional setup, and that's kind of what they had last night. And Kyle Anderson was huge for them, by the way, in the fourth quarter. Uh, maybe a good indicator of how plus-minus does not tell the story usually, <clears throat> or always at least in the game. He was a minus-15 worst of anybody on the team, but he was a closer down the stretch and really kept them in it when nothing else was really working for them in the fourth quarter. So kudos to Kyle Anderson. And again, that stood in contrast. The Lakers lost to the Blazers. They got blown out pretty much. Um, they made it a little closer late, but D'Lo was fine. I think he had like 16 points. He was fine in that game, but nothing nothing special. And if so if Lakers fans were having these kind of big dreams of, hey, you know, hey, maybe they can hold down the fort even while LeBron is out, uh, because now we've got D'Angelo Russell. Now we've got you know made these depth moves to get you know reunite last year's Timberwolves with what well, with Russell with uh, with uh, Malik Beasley with uh, Jared Vanderbilt again all players that I like and think they can contribute in, to a certain degree. Uh, that just wasn't happening on uh, on Monday night for the Lakers. So again, good win for the Wolves, uh, an important win because the Mavericks are right behind them in the standings. I'm sorry, right in front of them still in the standings. They're, those two teams are very close right now that the NBA the Western Conference just completely you know packed as it has been for a long time now the Wolves you know you look you just kind of go you know basically what four through four through 11 four through 12 in the uh, in the West right now separated by three games the Wolves currently tied for seventh with the Pelicans technically in eighth because the Pelicans have one fewer win one fewer loss but everybody's just bunched so tight. It's going to be a fight down the stretch. All these games are going to matter. You could not afford to lose that game last night, especially after having such a big lead. So big, good win for the Wolves. We'll see if they can build on that as they go forward and get some more of that good kind of chemistry between Mike Conley Jr. and Rudy Gobert. <clears throat> now the Wild kind of had a, it's been just such a struggle for them lately to score. And, and we've talked about it plenty. We, we have identified a lot of the reasons, but again, in last night's game, they get a point at least, but it's 1-1 again at the end of regulation. It was 2-2 at the end of regulation the other night. I feel like they're really kind of circling things, kind of kind of tightening up as they try to win games now, understanding that they're having a hard time scoring 5-on-5, five five, but also playing a style that's not necessarily conducive to 5-on-5 five five scoring, and it's just not a really scintillating style of hockey right now. I know that you know the most important thing is to regroup, to kind of get their bearings, to get some points along the way as they kind of refine their footing. But it's not a really great brand of hockey to watch right now. I mean, some of it last night was the goaltending was good, and, and Philippe Gustafsson was very good. Starting to wonder if he's developing into a guy that Dean Evison trusts uh, a little bit more, maybe not more yet than um, than Fleury, than Marc-Andre Fleury, but that's an interesting thing to watch going forward. But just right now, just watching the Wild... I'm having a hard time getting into them right now. I, I, last year's team was so much more fun to watch. And again, what wins or you know getting points, it's, it's, it's important. Wins are more important than style points, of course. But watching this team right now, it's a hard, little bit of a hard watch right now. I'd, l- I'd love to see them figure this out to the point where, yeah, they can, they can play defense, but they can also regain that scoring touch at least to a certain degree where it's not this kind of boring, bland style of hockey. So I'm, I'm going to watch that going forward as well take a playcation to mystic lake with 24 7 gaming the good times never have to end and you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms those that play together stay together and 
don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, I am very happy to be joined right now by Chris Preston. He's a partner and chief creative officer at Preston Spire. That is a very successful Minneapolis-based advertising agency, one of the best around that you will find. Chris has been at this for 40 years. I'm sure he doesn't love me saying that, I'm sure. But uh, that's that gives you an idea of, of how long he's been at this and what kind of expertise he brings to our discussion today about Super Bowl ads and uh, kind of not just what you saw Sunday, but some of the history of it as well. Um, Chris, welcome. How you doing? Thanks, Michael. Doing great this morning. It's uh, it's the Super Bowl of advertising, as they say. So uh, excited. We just had a great all-agency meeting here at Press Inspire and, and talked about the Super Bowl advertising of last night. So it's uh, it's it's a it's a big deal in our in our world. I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's not just the game, and you know, a lot of people. You know, I, I would guess, like, you know, you hear people say, hey, I'm, I'm just watching for the ads. Not everybody who watches the Super Bowl is super into football. People want to see the halftime show. People want to see the new ads that are coming out. And that's a reason to stay with the game, even if it's not close. And obviously, Sunday's was a good competitive game. But even if even on a blowout, you're going to stick around for, you know, some of these some of these new spots. So um, I want to get into some of the history in in a little bit. But I, I'd love to just ask you right off the jump, what did you see that you you especially liked Sunday night from from whatever brands were 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 putting forth their their best effort. Yeah, that's it's that's a great question and I I uh I think it's a very subjective one. So bear sure. with me. You know, keep in mind that I'm no, a, yeah. I'm a creative director, not a uh not a brand manager or somebody who's all about the numbers and the way that they move the scale, but we we I I I, I um, to sent out a survey to our creative department last night and uh, in various stages of inebriation, I got a bunch <laughs> of great, great responses from people. But I'd say, you know, it, as a cynical ad guy, I'm not supposed to get touched by marketing, but that uh, the farmer's dog uh, pet food brand, which I wasn't yep. aware of actually before the Super Bowl was was very touching for me. I, I actually got choked up. Maybe because I had a chocolate lab uh, as my last dog who died uh, 11 years ago. But, the, you know, that that touching emotional connection, I think, is really the way that a brand wins in, a, in the Super Bowl like this. And and probably the opposite end of that of yeah. that scale, uh, I would say the to be uh, rabbit hole spot was weird uh, not just for weird sake, but uh, with a consumer, uh, you know, I thought they had an insight of that joy of going down the rabbit hole on right. a streaming service. They captured that uh, in, a, in an odd way, throwing people down the rabbit hole. And then their, their gag that they did where it looked like you're, somebody sat on the remote control. I don't know if you've, you've noticed that spot, Michael. But oh, yeah. Okay. It was, you know, my wife said, what are you doing? Uh, when, when, uh, that went, cause I'm, I typically put my foot on the remote or, or <laughs> right. So, so I think that was a good interruption. I did have one, actually two of the women in, in our department say they felt, they felt people would be annoyed by that. And so they did not like that, but I, I, I found it effective. I thought I noticed that right away. I thought I could tell that it was a spot that it was something was different from my screen, even though it was they brought back the you know the two announcers. It was like they were coming back from a commercial break. So it was a good 
it was a good setup. I, I guess maybe I wasn't I wasn't fooled. Luckily, I wasn't like you know. And my you know, my three year old son did turn off the TV at one point. I was like, "What are you doing?" Like that was that was real. That was real. Not the not the two B spot. Um, and and the 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 dog commercial that you referenced that that one got me too because we're actually in the process of maybe getting a dog right now. And I've been thinking about you know my oldest daughter is eight. I've been thinking about like wow like this dog could be part of her life you know until she goes off to college things like that. I'm like wow like that's a long time. So that was. That got me right, right here in the heart too, as I was kind of thinking and watching that one. Um, your your agency prides itself on kind of the concept of good wins, and I imagine that's, I mean, the Super Bowl. There's no more kind of pressure to deliver that. How, how do you? How does that kind of get magnified when you know you're talking about six, seven million dollars for a thirty second <laughs> spot where you've got to kind of capture someone's attention, and if you fail, it's it's the opposite, right? Yeah, well, good wins and the thinking behind good wins at our agency is that, uh, you know, work has to be really welcome in people's lives. If you're, if you're going to do it, there's too many ways to avoid advertising now if people don't like what you're what you're telling them. And so that goes double for the Super Bowl, I think. I really do, uh, where, you know, your ad might literally appear at a party. So you want to be invited to the party. You want to be welcome at the party. You got to be entertaining. You can't uh, you can't wear your marketing on your sleeve, uh, you have to you have to be welcome in their lives and touch them in, in a way that you know an amazing you know pass play downfield does, or or you know they're sitting in front of a plate of nachos. They don't want to hear your your uh, marketing spiel. They want to be entertained. It has to be relevant to uh, society right now. Timing is all important. Uh, a lot of things, a lot of things have to go right for especially these days for a Super Bowl spot to succeed. No, I would imagine that's that's true. And, you know, I guess the, the flip side of that is were there offerings Sunday that you thought maybe missed the mark? Well, not necessarily, they don't have to be like complete flops or failures, but just ones that you were like, eh, I, that, that one didn't get me the way that I think they wanted it to get me. Yeah, you know, I, I've got a few. I, you know, I thought the beer marketing in general was, which is usually a top category for me, was a weak category this year. And I, and I, I did like Bud Light. Um, I, thought, I thought the on hold was a human truth. Then the, 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 the couple, uh, Miles Teller was, and, and his wife were very charming together, very authentic. Um, but I felt like, and I, I don't know if this is universal or not. I, a couple people in my department did not like it, but I found the, well, first of all, the Miller Coors, Coors Light versus Miller Light bar fight where Blue Moon comes in at the end. And it's like some people here didn't know that Miller Coors owned all three brands. They thought, what? Well, it just felt like a big mess. Uh, and I, I think it was a big who cares. Um, and I, I think consumers will say who cares at the end of that spot yeah. as well. So that was a miss for me. I know women are 40% of the Super Bowl audience. So so it's fabulous to have, uh, you know, Brands that appeal to women, uh, you know, make a big, a big splash. The NFL, uh, I thought, nailed it with uh, the uh, their flag football spot. I thought that was very effective and and good. But the the worst in my mind was the Timu shop like a billionaire. Yeah, that's uh, strange. Song. It's you know, disposable fashion is. I don't know. Maybe that's a personal. Uh, dislike of mine, I, uh, I pet peeve. I, I don't care for disposable fashion, but you know, I don't know how many billionaires are are buying four ninety nine blouses on, on an app. Uh, so sure. it, just, it felt like a mess, and I I double checked with the women in our agency, and it was 
hate it was uh, seemed to be the universal <laughs> theme. Not to be not to be mean. Uh, it, it's not easy. Um, and then um, I found the Michelob Caddyshack uh, ad to be a miss, and I, I found it soulless. I I, I felt like. It, it was a it was an attempt and I thought a, a somewhat cynical attempt to capture nostalgia. It's obviously a beloved movie so right respect with you know anybody who likes sports or sure. golf and you know just hilarious but replacing like world-class comedians with world-class athletes in a comedy situation just felt like a miss to me and I love Serena. Uh, Williams, but she's she's not a comedian, you know. She just she just isn't, and and I would have rather seen, you know, Bill Murray or or uh, you know, I guess <laughs> I guess I can't see Ted Knight or Rodney Dangerfield now, but maybe I would have rather seen the dead guys than uh, <laughs> right. just see holograms. You know, exactly, people trying to to uh, be funny that aren't. Uh, so that that felt like a miss. And then I guess I would say the Draft Kings, you know, and you're. Your neck of the wizard, the sports, you know, the sports uh, betting right. and so forth. I, I felt like that was a huge waste of of star talent with with Kevin Hart, who I, I really like, with Big Poppy, with with uh, you know Ludacris, and then and then uh, um, Hawk. Uh, you know, it's just bad wordplay. Tony Hawk, uh, you know, is a is an amazing athlete, and they just right. use, use him as a dumb, you know, word gag. Uh, just felt like unredeemed uh unredeemed stuff so yeah the the uh, the bud light commercial you referenced i thought that was interesting because i found myself watching it and liking it but almost in the moment also thinking that it could have been really bad if the chemistry between the the man and the woman was was bad like if it was just two actors or if, if they tried to force some kind of chemistry or didn't seem authentic, that could have been a really bad situation. So that did, that kind of strikes to me or brings home to me how important just even just the the nuance of a commercial is and not just, it's so, it's so much in the execution and not just the idea sometimes. It is very much so. And I, I was, uh, I was ready to love, uh, I felt like that was based on a universal truth and I was ready to love Kia's uh, binky spot because as a, right. as a dad, uh, you yes. know, as a dad, I actually paid like a hundred dollars to have Stripey the cat mailed to me from a foreign country. <laughs> oh my god! Father left Stripey in the hotel room, and and uh, but I, so I think that one was based on universal truth. But they just they took it too far, and it took away from the authenticity of it in my mind. And yeah, it was, good point. It, it was sort of it was funny, uh, but it it just wasn't a top spot because it didn't ultimately ring that authentic button the good wins button for for me as uh, as an agency head when you know i feel like we've been watching commercials for a long time i'm 46 i've kind of grown up with a lot of this in my lifetime but we maybe we can talk a little bit about the the evolution and history of of super bowl spots because you know, obviously things have changed dramatically a lot of these come out even before the super bowl is out they get they leaked or released you know on you know on snippets or social media or however it's it's released. And obviously that was never a thing, you know, 20, 30 yeah. years ago, that just wasn't part of the culture. Usually maybe it was, maybe it was, you know, promoted to people who might be reviewing it, but not to a general audience ahead of time. Um, how, how do, how is these, how have these evolved over the years and in, in, in whether they're, whether in terms of importance, whether in terms of stature, whether in terms of how they're even produced um, from kind of, you know, then until now. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Michael. I, th I think a 
they said last year, a hundred million viewings happened by Friday before the wow. Super Bowl. So, so the extent the 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 media buy is very expensive, but you get a lot of value uh, ahead of time and behind the time, like us talking about it today. But but that's certainly what hasn't always been the case with Super Bowl advertising. A, a lot of brands would would just put their best spot, you know, that had been working during the season uh, on the end of, end of the game. And I, I think you know there are a lot of brands that that. Uh, have have had home runs through the the years through the decades but i think that original coke classic mean joe green ad uh and i'm dating myself i'm older than you are so <laughs> i'm i remember the mean joe green spot with the hey kid you know catch mean joe green right. toss, tosses him the jersey after uh, slamming the kid's coke and and uh that one still gets you know incredibly high ratings that storytelling that story voice i have a i have a a love for storytelling uh, in that way, but I think the 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 one change that I've I've seen that's very um, you know that idea of of spreading out your buy and your impact over more time has made ads I feel like a little too self referential and sometimes hmm. a little too inside baseball yeah. uh, marketing done for marketing people uh, yeah. as opposed to a consumer audience and I I felt like uh, M&Ms got caught up in their in their uh, laundry, their inside baseball laundry this year, where they they had to be up on the news to understand that their their M&M spokes characters were uh, were were um, perceived as overly uh, woke by right wing media. They they so they right. pretended to kill off their characters and bring in Maya Rudolph as a as a replacement. And then Maya had these clam uh, odd clam flavored M&Ms. <laughs> the yeah. M&Ms were really back at the end. I mean, they got tons of media coverage. But I think they missed you know, their 30 second opportunity. I, there's a lot of head scratching and, and uh, with my department that didn't know all that media background on it. Um, so that was that was a, a miss. But anyway, self -ref, self referential, um, you know, tr trying to, I think, you know, outstar the other stars. I, I think if you read if you read research, 25 percent. Uh, if you having a star in your ad gives you 25% more, you know, wow. connectivity, uh, the next day. And obviously somebody with 200 million or 2 million Twitter followers, you know, tweets out that they're going to be in your ad. It, it, it gives you a buzz. Um, but sure. I think there's uh, so many stars now. And I guess that, that DraftKings or the you know, Caddyshack would have been examples of a miss in my opinion, where the stars don't relate to your brand at all. Um, I, I felt like I felt like the popcorners actually did a decent job. With, I like that one. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Breaking I all bad, the right yeah. notes, but it was making a point that their you know their product is like crack. I guess <laughs> it was like yeah, crystal meth. Meth. Uh, yeah. You know, where uh, you know, but but all the all the notes were right in that one, so it worked. Uh, but but some of them are just stars for the sake of stars. Yeah, and it's interesting too because I have to imagine like it's not like one ad or one moment that's going to make or break a brand but i imagine a win versus a loss for you know however we define that in in a in a super bowl spot it's got to be worth a lot to a brand whether it's 
you know, raw dollars and cents or just recognition, things like that. I mean, do we have a sense of like how much this impacts those who are perceived as being the winners in this case? Well, yeah, I think I think some of that is subjective. And I know sure. uh, direct marketing people, the, the Super Bowl just makes them insane because they, <laughs> you know, it, it's seven million dollar one time, you know, big punch, home run swing. Uh, and they'd rather nibble you to death by, uh, you know, by incremental amounts. And but I do think that, you know, certainly Apple's 1984 with, uh, you know, shot by Ridley Scott, put Apple on the map in a way that it hadn't been. It was head to head with, uh, you know, with PCs at that point. And it just it just launched them ahead. E-Trade with their famous baby spot, which I think is, yeah. one of, you know, all time favorites. I, I thought their their spot was a bit of a miss this year. It just wasn't wasn't as as sort of off the cuff, casual entertaining as that original baby that spit up during during his right show. right you know there was a lot of fun there um but i i think yeah i i think you know from the original i think dick buckus did the first star turn uh for presto and antifreeze because he filled oh, wow. holes really well you know that's way back in like Super yeah. 14 or whatever but uh today the star thing is 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 too much i think for a lot of brands yeah. A couple more things for Chris Preston. Really enjoying this conversation. Um, Chris, as we think about this year's, you know, maybe even just trends from recent years, are there are there things aside from, you know, star performances, things like that, are there things that are trends that you see kind of carried through a lot of this year's spots, things that, you know, whether it's distribution, whether it's the ads themselves that, that you say, yeah, this is kind of the direction that, that the creative creative turns are going or how, how, how these things are being made right now? Yeah, I think the, you know, there's a, a background of content now, you know, and I, it makes me crazy when creative ideas and, and uh, you know, is called content because it seems to be a diminishment of it in, in right. a lot of years. But a lot of the spots you saw uh, and a lot of the spots you've seen over the last few years have been longer format films that have been cut down to 30 and if you look if you if you look online at some of them like the caddyshack even uh you know spot for Michelob, made a lot more sense when you saw the you know the two minute version versus sure. them trimming it to 30 where it just felt uh just felt like uh you were being you know sort of shouted at uh, and <laughs> yeah. a bunch of, you know a bunch of random scenes um but i i felt like i feel like that that concept of engagement is really what it's all about now, trying to get people to engage beyond the Super Bowl. And I think, you know, the Coinbase, uh, the Coinbase spot last year was an example of that with just the floating QR code uh, just, you know, floated around for 30 seconds. And it, it you know, it broke the Internet. They got so much, uh, so many people scanned it because they wanted to know what the heck it was. However, the, you know, the, the brand, I can't even remember the brand that did it this year, uh, trying to get you to, to uh, go. To, do, you, do you remember the, the name of that one? I don't. And that's a good point, because sometimes an, um, an ad is, you know, seems like it's successful because you remember it. But what if you don't remember the brand? <laughs> exactly. And that that happens. That happens way too much. I, I think, you know, even if you do something amazing, if the emotion gets in the way of the of the uh, message you, you you can lose as well it's that's why farmer the farmer's dog stuck in my head you know it's sure. odd name odd brand the amazon spot uh, i don't know if you if you were touched by the amazon dog spot as much yeah but, but it was a disappointment i mean i'm sure it was disappointing to both brands that both had as touching 
touching dog spot there. But for me, the farmer's dog was much more relevant to what they were selling. And so, and also more emotional, but, and so it worked better. Chris, final thought, Chris Preston, partner and chief creative officer at Preston Spire. That's a Minneapolis based ad agency, really enjoying this conversation. Final thought, I mean, as we think about the future, I guess, uh, maybe the past informs the future a lot of times, and especially in, as we think about it in retrospect, but where, how do you imagine these trends kind of evolving or continuing as we go forward? Are, are these kind of 30 second spots still going to be that important in a kind of increasingly kind of segmented, pocketed kind of, you know, world of, of advertising? Or how do you see Super Bowl advertising, you know, five, 10 years in the future? You know, that's a great question, Michael. And I, I think storytelling has been around for, you know, centuries. I think it's how we're, we learn. I think it's how we remember. I, I think there'll be a lot more, uh, you know, as technology evolves, as artificial intelligence comes in and, and can tell exactly what, a you know, makes a person uh, tick and respond. There'll be attempts to, to use AI and, and I think, you know, very effective ways. I suspect it'll be effective uh, in, for a while, but but getting back to the, the storytelling, I think that's still going to be the most relevant, the most interesting, the most entertaining. Uh, a little bit of you know the, the the turns, the the unexpectedness is is still the freshness, the zigging when others zag uh, is is going to continue to be important. But but I do think storytelling will. I think it's going to come back in a in a bigger way, a trend. Maybe that's wishful thinking on a writer's part. No, <laughs> I, I like to think the same thing, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think the human human truths, uh, you know, is, are still going to be, you know, critical, um, and and I think there will be a little bit of, you know, pushback against this this AI and against the sort of you know, digital experience for the sake of a digital experience, as opposed to being in the moment, being invited to the party, being a welcome idea. As, as I said, our, our agency, Preston Spire, believes in that. And we, you know, having that um, element as part of your brand voice uh, is very, very important. Well, absolutely it is. And I like all those things you just said. And we'll see where the future of all this is headed. It's very interesting to think about right now. But, you know, the future never happens suddenly. It usually kind of evolves over time. So maybe we've already experienced some of these things along the way. Um, but Chris, I really enjoyed this conversation, the chance to kind of catch up on what we watched Sunday, you know, outside of the game and how that kind of matters to brands and where we might be going with that for our, for the future as well. So appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to chat with you, Chris Preston, and uh, I hope we'll talk soon. Thanks, Michael. It was great. Great to, great to meet you and to chat with you. Good stuff from Chris. And one postscript to that, I had a, uh, a direct message from Jake after I'd already conducted that interview saying, hey, tomorrow when you're talking about the Super Bowl ads and halftime, please address who are they trying to reach. It seems that the people they're trying to reach cannot afford to go to major sports games. That's interesting. I think advertising has changed to a certain degree. It's trying to glamorize things a little bit. I think advertising always has been, though, that a little bit of that uh, of that kind of you, you treating you like maybe you can be more than you are, putting you in a spot where you're imagining a different version of yourself. So I don't know if it's changed all that much, but maybe the target market is changing a little bit. And if Jake feels that, I'm curious if some people out there are also feeling that as well. 
Let's finish with a quick thought about in the cooler here. I just I I don't know why I was thinking about this the other day. Maybe I was watching the Wolves game, thinking about um, you know thinking about some things that had that have transpired, and maybe think watching the Super Bowl brought this to mind as well. But let's let's go back to 2020 when the Vikings drafted Justin Jefferson and the Timberwolves drafted Anthony Edwards. Vikings could have gone a lot of different directions in that draft. Imagine if they had not taken Justin Jefferson in that draft. Imagine if the Philadelphia Eagles, instead of picking Jalen Rager, had picked Justin Jefferson. Both had a, a wide receiver need. Imagine where the Vikings would be right now without Justin Jefferson. Sometimes we lament the picks that didn't get made. I want to honor the pick that did get made. Justin Jefferson, absolutely a franchise-changing player. Hard to imagine the Vikings without him. Same with Anthony Edwards. The Vikings were in a different position. They had the number one pick that year. But again, when you have anybody you can pick from, you've got a lot of options. Number two pick that year was James Wiseman for the Warriors, who just got traded basically for... Uh, basically just to dump his to dump his contract to dump him from the team because he wasn't playing like that's how these things can go if you don't make the right pick things can go completely off kilter for your franchise so the wolves gerson rosas the president at the time deserve credit for making that anthony edwards pick for changing the trajectory of this franchise because can you imagine the wolves if they had taken wiseman instead of anthony edwards i certainly cannot except to imagine that it would be a lot like the sad, sad years that had preceded this for the Wolves. And that'll do it for today. Should be a lot of baseball talk on Wednesday show with Phil Miller. Stay dry, everybody. It's going to be a wet one out there today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Back at it again on Wednesday.